Welcome to Raising Queens, not just a podcast, it's a movement. Here's your host, Carmen Rosas, a mom, entrepreneur, and queen bee with a love for boba tea and random dance parties. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Raising Queens. We are on episode number six with Nikolai Blino, who is a psychotherapist and empowered relationship coach. She specializes in helping successful entrepreneurial women hovering around 30 to stop settling for that low-hanging fruit kinds of partners so she can find a relationship that adds energy and value to her life and feel truly fulfilled in all areas of her world without sacrificing her business, sanity, or self-worth. Amen. Nikolai, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited. I'm so excited. So when I was going over your bio, I was super excited because I'm kind of... I'm hovering 30, closer to 40 now. I just turned 36. Um, but I have these conversations with like my single girlfriends all the time about how, are we settling for breadcrumbs? Are we, all of that. So why don't you, why don't I ask you a question first? And then I want you to, um, I want you to go into a little bit more about like what you do. So first off, since this is Raising Queens, what does a queen mean to you? So I think a queen is just really a woman or a girl who is in charge with her sense of power and feels really confident in who she is and isn't afraid to share that with the world and also assert that with the world when that assertion needs to happen. Um, yes. So the thing that popped into my head right now as you were speaking was boundaries. <laughs> I was like, I love boundaries. Those are like legit one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> and if I could simplify what I do in just one word, boundaries would absolutely be a big part of it because so many, I, I honestly think women in particular were not good with those. No, and I'm getting super goosebumps right now. Um, just kind of like thinking about it because I was, I would go for a walk in the mornings with my girlfriend and she was like, I feel like you're not standing firm in your boundaries. And I was like, I feel like you might be right, you know, because it's like mm. one of these things where we waver and just kind of in speaking with all of, you know, the other, the people that I've interviewed so far and in writing my book, um, self-worth and mm -hmm. boundaries. Um, I've worked through codependency. So all mm -hmm. of these things, like I always come back to boundaries, right? And it's like, well, I said yes, but I really mean no. And then, mm -hmm. right, and I know that you've also talked about burnout. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what you do in terms of work, and then we can go do like a deep dive because I feel like this is going to be an amazing conversation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I originally, well, years ago, I started my career in a completely different profession. Um, I was in fundraising and alumni relations at Brown University, and it was my job to go out and meet with alumni and solicit donations for the annual fund for Brown. Um, and I actually really liked certain aspects of that. I loved working with people, but I hated the part where I felt like I had this ulterior motive, where I was forming relationships with people where the end game was basically that I wanted money from them. <laughs> so I thought long and hard about where can I really cultivate more of that interest and use some of my skills in a way that felt a little bit more authentic. So that led me to pursue psychotherapy 
and I've been doing psychotherapy um, for probably five or six years now, and I've been self-employed as a psychotherapist for almost four years. And what I have realized being a psychotherapist is I see a lot of women who are burnt out. So I started doing some coaching with women just about burnout and strategies to help protect themselves and maintain their energy so that they just weren't spilling that out all over other people and over priorities that actually weren't that important to them when they really got solid with themselves. Um, But recently when it comes to this relationship piece and the partner's piece, I was just doing a lot of soul searching for myself about my own experience and a lot of the women that I've worked with in coaching and in psychotherapy and the women that I love working with the most, but who also sometimes make me the most sad um, or that I just like, I can see this light at the end of the tunnel that they can't quite see. And what I realized is so many women who are burnt out um, leave themselves vulnerable to burnout because of the relationships that they invite into their life and because of that boundaries piece. Yeah. Really. So I really have started to focus more on helping women. First of all, I think we need to cultivate our own self-worth. We need to feel confident stepping into our own power without feeling guilty about that and without falling into people-pleasing or self-sacrificing. So then we can go out into the world and find partnerships and people that really enhance our power and can maybe complement some of the things that are missing and make us stronger instead of taking our power away. Because I just got so sick of seeing that. And I see it a lot, a lot. Yeah. Um, And I really like that. So I'm huge on being intentional with your time, your energy, your money, like your environment, knowing exactly who you're letting in, what you're letting in. Um, So I really like that. And I love the whole kind of burnout and um, not that I love burnout, but you get what I'm saying. I love (laughs) this topic because burnout and boundaries, (coughs) excuse me, go hand in hand, right? They like by not holding your boundaries, you are likely going to burn out. Um, and if we were to kind of, you know, talk about boundary setting, um, Mm -hmm. I think that that goes even with like self-worth, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're able to better set the boundaries because you know your worth and you know what you're willing to put up with and what you're not right. Um, as along with the intentionality. So if somebody was in the process of just kind of starting out in setting these boundaries or learning to how to set boundaries, how would you, what would be like a tip for them to, or how would you, what's the process that you take people through? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think honestly, the first thing is you have to learn to be really mindful. And what I mean about that is you need to learn how to slow down. And you need to learn how to get into the moment and get out of your head. Because I see a lot of women who they tell me all the time, I can't trust my gut. I don't know what my gut is telling me. And so um, I think that's because we are just so busy and so overscheduled and we're always thinking about what's next that 
it's hard for you to even think about where to set boundaries if you don't trust your gut in telling you where to set them. And so I think that's part of the problem, honestly, as women who are very driven, who are very entrepreneurial and you know might be working full-time jobs while we're also starting other careers or have started our other careers and are really carrying that all um, by ourselves. It's that feeling like slowing down is really scary. Bless you. Um, and it feels like everything's just gonna crumble. So my advice is to slow down. And I also know from experience that people are very much afraid of that and honestly don't even know how to do it. Yeah. Um, I think that is, I mean, I think it's super important, right? Slowing down because sometimes when I'm like, I have these goals, right? And I'm seeing mm -hmm. an ambitious or entrepreneurial woman that when I have these goals, I'm like, I need to go, go, go. When in reality, mm -hmm. I need to actually slow down a little bit to get a little bit clearer on what needs to be done. So I'm all about that. Um, what would you say is, um, I mean, because the truth is, right, we live in a society that's very go, go, go. And if you're not going and you're not going, then you're lazy, right? Or you get that word gets thrown around or you're not doing enough. Um, mm -hmm. um, what would you say would be a good way to kind of um, like slow down? Like how would someone slow down if like I have, you know, income goals and I'm just kind of on the go. I'm a single mom. Mm -hmm. I have to take care of her. I have to do, you know, meet my income goals, not have to, but based on my type A personality, <laughs> you know, yeah, what would be like, what would be your suggestion for how I could slow down? Um, yeah, I know it feels really hard. And so for that reason, I'm a big fan of just really practical mindfulness strategies that can bring you into the moment and cause you to slow down, even if it's just for a moment and you can do it on the fly. So one of the first things I teach people, and I actually was teaching this earlier today, is um, part of slowing down is just recognizing what state of mind you're in. Mm -hmm. And basically, we can really only be in two places. We can be in our emotional place, or we can be in our rational place. Mm -hmm. And really, it's not good to be in either of those places too much. The best place is um, what I call being in your wise place. And your wise place is where your emotional and your rational mind, they're working together instead of against each other. And most women can relate to the experience of feeling like they're being pulled in two different directions, even within their own heart and their own mind. Because actually I had a woman today who was saying uh, she had an adult child who just moved back in after college, right? And the emotional part of her mind is saying, wow, I'm so happy he's back home and we're getting to spend time together, this is great. And then her rational mind is saying, um, I've been alone with my partner for a few years now and there's all these things that my kid is doing that are driving me completely crazy. We have completely different ways of living and technically they're an adult but technically they're still living in my house too. And it just really, really, uh, it's making her very anxious and burnt out. 
So being in the wise place is learning to listen to both of that, right? So your emotional mind is saying, hey, I'm really happy to have this time with my, my kiddo, you know, that I haven't seen for a while. And then the rational mind is saying, but he's driving me crazy. And this is my house. So one thing we talked about today to find the wise place is I really have to sit down and just have a conversation with my kid about, I love you. Here are some things that are driving me a little bit crazy. I also understand you're an adult and you need your freedom too. So like, what can we work out here? That's just going to make the home feel a little bit more peaceful for both of us. Mm -hmm. So would you say in that sense, she's like setting boundaries? (laughs) That's basically exactly what it is, right? It's saying, and these simple little things, I think a lot of moms can relate to this, especially Mm -hmm. as their kids get older. And honestly, a lot of wives too, right? It's like people come into your house, your kids, your husband, your partner, and they're leaving stuff all over the place and you're walking around picking it up or you're trying to say, no, I'm not going to pick it up. It's not my job, right? Your emotional mind is saying, hold your boundaries. It's really important. But inside you're screaming because you feel like you look around your house and it's just chaotic and you can't relax in your Mm -hmm. own space. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, So I was dating a guy and we lived together probably maybe like six months last year. Mm -hmm. And before that, my daughter and I, we lived on our own. And so I only had to deal with her and she's only, she'll be five. So she basically does what mommy says. Well, sometimes I like to feel like I'm the boss, but um, her stuff is everywhere, which I can manage and I've been used to dealing with. And then he moved in and it was clothes everywhere or things didn't get put away the way that I would have put them away. And I was having this like inner battle where I'm like, okay, you're sharing a space, you're sharing a home, but that's not how you're supposed to do it. Like, this isn't how I've been doing it for so long. Mm -hmm. And rather than, and this is where I needed to practice, you know, my boundary setting was rather than having a conversation and saying, Hey, there's a few things that really bother me, right? Like don't get out of the shower and not dry off because the carpet's wet. Like that's one thing for whatever reason drives me nuts. Like then I walk by and my feet are wet and I don't know if it's from childhood or what, but it drives me nuts. And so that was one thing where I had expressed myself, but in terms of everything else. And so rather than having the conversation, I'm like, I'll just do it myself. Let me just handle everything. And then I step in and I'm like, okay, let me do everything. But then the resentment kicks in And I'm like, you're not doing anything. And then I'm tired and cranky. And then, you know, it gets into this big old mess of, well, if we would have just communicated better, um, if I would have communicated my issues better, um, Mm -hmm. what would you say is, now that I'm thinking about this, what would you say is the reason why so many women don't speak up or don't say anything or, because I feel like, I'm probably not the only person that's done that before (laughs) where I'm like, I'll deal with it and not have the conversation. Yeah. I think, um, it's a couple different things. One is I think just socially we're conditioned to be caretakers. Mm -hmm. And I think about it from, you know, even a very like evolutionary perspective as how people have grown over time, you know, back in the day, when we were more primitive and we didn't have all the safety and security that we have now, 
we did fall into kind of traditional gender roles and men would just go out and hunt food and kill things to protect us. And women were supposed to like protect the children, you know, make sure like the food is prepared and everyone is cared for, right? So that they can just survive in, in that way. So I think we just have developed a very natural ability to see where people need help and to solve problems that I think is just ingrained in us. Um, and I think we're, we're socialized that, you know, even now, you know, we're, we're taught to be a little bit more of like healing people. We're taught to worry about other people. And for that reason, I think those factors basically contribute to feeling guilty. I think a lot of women feel guilty when they do set boundaries. They feel like they just have to. And I see it all the time. I see women feeling guilty about not wanting to go on second dates, you know? <laughs> and you're like, you don't even know this guy. <laughs> okay? You're like, yeah. I don't want to hurt his feelings. And I'm like, girl, what about your feelings? You're about to go oh on a gosh. really boring date that you're going to hate. Why are you going to do that? Yes. Okay. So yeah, let's get into this like us settling for this low hanging fruit or the breadcrumbs, right? Because that's what we're doing is like, we're settling. Like I've had conversations with my girlfriends and I'm just like, this is what I want. And some of my friends are like, dude, that's so not attainable. Like we're in a different generation. And I'm like, I'm holding out hope. But then I go on dates and I'm like, well, he checks most of the things that I want. And then it's like, but do I want to settle for that? Am I, you know, looking like long-term? Um, would I be okay with that like the next 10 years or is it something that's going to frustrate me? Right. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I'm single now with all the technology, um, I mean, we have issues with the people that are on the dating apps and the quality of the men, but, um, I think that I do get, you know, women do get to be a little bit more selective now and we don't have Mm -hmm. to settle for the first guy that like takes us out on a date, but Mm -hmm funny because you say well why do you feel bad like I've had a few guys that I was like texting and they were really nice guys (laughs) definitely not the one um Mm -hmm. and I got to a point where because I was entertaining them and I was like wait a minute am I being intentional with my energy like do I even want to entertain them via text do I want to go spend Mm -hmm. an hour two hours on another date with them knowing Mm -hmm. that they're probably going to bore the crap out of me and Mm -hmm. I can't hang out with my kid or go to dinner with my girlfriends instead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so let me ask you, um, how do you, I guess, like find a balance, right? Because you work with, you know, successful entrepreneurial women who are super ambitious. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever have the issue of them being like, well, how do I even fit in a date or a relationship? And, you know, like, because that's part of one thing that I face. Like some friends are like, you know, and obviously our girlfriends mean well and they give us all the advice in the world, but some are like, you really need an ambitious guy that's going to match your ambition. And then I think, well, when am I ever going to see him if we're both workaholics or love what we're doing so much? And the other part is, um, well, if I meet someone who's like in a nine to five who may not have a lot of hobbies and he has a lot more downtime than me, not being able to give him that time. Like what do you mm-hmm. What would you suggest for people in terms of like finding a balance or even dating while being ambitious? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think honestly, 
it comes back to also just being mindful because I think uh, we sometimes get, I see this, I see like women go one of two ways. I see women who go like too emotional about it, mm -hmm. right? And they're like, all guys are crap. So there's no point. There's nobody good out there. And actually one of my last clients of the day today was talking about, she was like, I had this epiphany and it's that I hate men. Hey, yeah, I don't. Then I'm really mean to them, and I and I wonder why I can't really find a fulfilling relationship. It's because I hate them, and she has reasons. You know, she's been let down by the men in her life, and she has a few relationships that ended pretty badly, or where she settled, mm -hmm. and she settled for too long, mm -hmm. and then it's like that resentment just built up so much that now she's very emotionally minded about her dating and then i think sometimes we go completely to the opposite side it's like well i don't want to be this like bitter man-hating woman i don't want to think that there's no hope i want to be open to like what's possible so i'm gonna go super rational about it and i'm just gonna say like there are good guys out there but I need to have my list, right? So like they have to have everything on my list. And then if they don't have everything on my list, then whatever, no, I'm not doing it. I'm fine by myself anyways. So I think it comes back to like finding that middle place where you're letting yourself be in touch with your emotional mind and your rational mind. And one of the reasons I ended up starting this relationship coaching, I call it powerful women, powerful partners, is because in my own dating experience, I, I mean, I went through those swings of the pendulum. Like I was in a relationship that in my early 20s, I didn't even know was codependent, but it was, right? And I had to learn that. Mm -hmm. um, so then I went complete opposite. And I was like, I'm so independent and I don't need anybody. And true story, I was having brunch with a friend that I used to work with at one of my very first jobs when I graduated college and she said I can't believe you're married because when I think about you I think of like how many guys you used to date because you were just always just like hanging out with somebody new and you weren't tied down to anybody you were so independent um, so it's really really weird but I realized for myself that I found a partner who actually works really well for me and it's because I found balance and I tell people all the time, I have this list of qualities that I was looking for in a partner. My husband had none of them. <laughs> very rational, superficial list. Like I'm from Massachusetts, I'm from the Boston area, but I live in Rhode Island. It's a very small state here. Um, so like a lot of people never, ever, ever leave. So they're very like in their little boxes. And I was like, I'm never dating someone from Rhode Island because they just stay here and their like worldview is so closed. And then there's a few towns in Rhode Island that are particularly stereotyped for being especially just like really set in their ways and having a, a stereotype of like the Rhode Islander. And I was like, I'm definitely never dating anyone who grew up in any of those towns. <laughs> My husband grew up in exactly, he actually grew up in one of those towns that I blacklisted and then moved when he was in middle school to the other town that I also blacklisted. So he had like the stereotypical traits of like both of these towns that represented this like Everything closed off person. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know? And then I said, I'm never dating a pretty boy. And I tell people, because <laughs> obviously I'm very laid back. My friends tell me a lot, like, they think I'm a little earthy, crunchy kind of vibe. Um, my husband had like diamond earrings and a gold chain. Yeah. You would never. Oh. <laughs> so like everything. Oh, and I said, I would never date someone who didn't go to college. And my husband went to college and dropped out. Mm. but has a good job and he makes really good money it doesn't have any student loans so financially he's actually some would say in a better place than i am uh, but because i had that like education requirement i would have a few years prior completely just been like oh no he's not calling to educate them mm. so i've lived that life of having that list and i've had to learn how to like listen to my gut and find the real like compromised place, but a compromise that doesn't feel sacrificing. Mm. So it's really funny. So I have a list, right? And I have mm -hmm. a coach that I worked with like a year ago and they were like, make a list of like qualities, right? Like a hundred, like a hundred qualities that you want. I'm only at like 55, yeah. um, but I realized that in the past they were more like physical qualities yeah. that I would have listed. Now it's like, will they take care of my daughter like they're like she's their own, right? Like little things like mm -hmm. that, like realizing like where I need support. So for me, like working all day, running two businesses, um, helping other people build their businesses and their legacies. Like when I get home, I don't want to think about what I'm making for dinner, right? Like mm -hmm. I don't even, like I don't want that to even be an issue. Whereas in the past, I was like, I have to cook every day. I have to do like the Susie homemaker and the CEO, like boss, like, and I was like, there's no way that I can do it. So for me, what I've realized is that I need somebody who's going to be willing to either order takeout or even make a decision, right? Make dinner or, um, I don't know, they're going to figure it out and just know that I'm going to have food when I get home <laughs> and that's it. Right. And so it's funny that you say, you'll never date a pretty boy. Cause that's kind of, you know, I had a friend, um, ask me, why don't you date? So I've always been like, date the bad boys, right? Like <laughs> motorcycle riding, like rebels. And I'm like, I've had to do some work around why I'm attracted to them. But I had, mm -hmm. you know, ask, cause you know, we're in Silicon Valley. There's lots of tech guys here. Very, uh, what is the word? <laughs> um, I don't know if it's pretty boy, but very, you know, like, square-ish, I guess is what yes. the would be, right? Right? Yes. Like a square. Yeah. And they asked me, why wouldn't you date a square? And I was like, well, I feel like they wouldn't challenge me enough, you know? And then mm -hmm. I really had to sit with it and be like, well, what way do I want to be challenged? Like mentally, you know, like, do I want mental stimulation? Then they probably could do that a lot, you know, like mm -hmm. challenge me in that way. Or am I going back to my old habits of toxic challenges, right? Where mm -hmm. it's that kind of a relationship so mm -hmm. I definitely have my list um but I I have learned to be a little bit more open and when you put it out into the universe right mm -hmm. <coughs> a little woo um but you put it out into the universe and like you're clear on what you want then you'll get it but also trusting that it may not appear in the same form yes like expecting it right <laughs> yeah like you might find a like super poindexter nerdy guy <laughs> maybe you will but like from a values level he'll mm -hmm. meet so many criteria on your list yeah right like my husband i wanted 
an educated person because I thought an educated person is just going to be more like socially liberal, more accepting of people from all different backgrounds, mm -hmm. more supportive of a woman who wants to have power and money and success and a woman who does not want to be home cooking and cleaning at night. I'm that person too. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that like, oh, you know, um, an educated guy will, will get that, you know? And I realized that people who are educated can be jerks mm -hmm. or can be self-absorbed just the way that people who aren't formally educated can. So I think uh, a list isn't inherently bad. We just have to get better at looking at what's on our list. Yeah. And we really have to do some digging within ourselves to see what things really matter. Like one of the clients that I was working with today in the past, one of the things we've talked about is, um, you know, she's really attracted to guys who, um, end up traveling a lot for work. She's just attracted to professions where guys are traveling a lot. They're in like sales or consulting and they're all over the place. Um, and what she realized is it's not about the travel, it's about just like this excitement and being able to get out into the world and, and see the world. Um, but she was paying a price for that because she was finding guys who are really exciting. They've been all over the world so they look cultured, right? But meanwhile, you know, they're inviting you out on dates and then 20 minutes beforehand, they're canceling on you and you're already there. Mm. Mm. Interesting. You know, something that came up when you were saying they travel mm -hmm. um, was this idea of unavailability. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. Because I met a guy randomly through Instagram mm -hmm. messaging. come to find out he lives in Virginia I'm in California and this was actually earlier this year too um and I was like oh he's really nice and one of my girlfriend goes it's because he's unavailable and I was like no he's not like he's totally present like we have great conversations she's like he lives across the country she was like are you moving across the country and I was like no no not happening and she was like, you know, you need to really reflect on like why you're so able to be open and vulnerable with him. Um, and I was like, oh, so I sat with that, right? Journaled around it. And I was like, she's right. Because if he was here, conversation would be very different. I would be so mm -hmm. much more guarded. I would have, you know, I wouldn't spend as much time having conversations or going on dates with him. It mm -hmm. And it worked. Because I was like, okay, this guy doesn't need too much of my time because he's across the country. I could do phone calls mm -hmm. and text. That's easy. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking for a date during the week. So mm -hmm. how do, and what do you suggest, like for ambitious women, like how do we balance dating Yeah, and doing what we love or, you know, raising our family if we're, you know, single moms? Mm -hmm. I think... So it's so funny, the same client that I was telling you about, we had this exact conversation today where <laughs> even with her friends, she was saying my closest friends that I trust the most, that I go to, like with my heart and soul are my friends who live far away, right? Even my friends. And then if they were here, I feel like they would probably get on my nerves or things would just be different. 
so I think we do sometimes unintentionally put, it's almost like we put these ambiguous boundaries into place, mm-hmm. right? I will be open with someone who is far away because in my subconscious, I know that there's a boundary built in. Mm-hmm. So I can, I'm safe there. It feels comfortable. And then the second that person is closer to our life and it's more real, all of a sudden things change. So I think that when it comes to trying to balance things, honestly, I think it's a little bit of, well, no, it's not a little bit. It's a lot of doing your own work. Mm -hmm. And I think it's um, a little bit of vulnerability and also trust and not just trusting other people, trusting yourself and trusting that you have everything in you to assert those boundaries Mm. you can assert those boundaries and you don't need people to live far away to have those boundaries built in you don't need people to have a very specific cookie cutter way of living that's going to fit into your lifestyle because you are capable of setting your boundaries so that people entering into a relationship with you know here's the deal with and I think that also comes down to at the core self-worth, mm-hmm. right? And trusting that like we have worth that like people will value and appreciate us and like want to be around us at our true authentic selves. Yeah. And that's so true. So the guy flew me out to Virginia, mm-hmm. gave me a place to stay. And so we were there for about, I was there for about three nights, four days. But by day two, I was like, I'm over you. Like, you're annoying. Like, you're too, like, clingy. You're too in my space. Like, and so then that's when I realized, like, even more so what was happening. And I was like, if we lived in the same place, like, it was safe because he was far away. But now that we were in the same zip code, (laughs) it was a whole other ballgame. And I was just like, oh, this doesn't feel good. But I did say, hey, you know what? I need some time to myself. Like, I'm just used to being alone. So please give me my space. And he was super respectful of it. And, but it was that thing again, asserting a boundary, right? Like I know that I'm worth it. I know that I deserve to, you know, ask for the space or whatever it is that I want, but I felt bad. I like, mm-hmm. was like, oh, you know, he's, he might be upset. And I'm like, well, oh, well, that's his problem <laughs> because I wasn't doing it in a way that was like mean or malicious. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing is that you brought up was trust, right? Like trusting ourselves because I had, you know, again, conversations with my girlfriends. It's, do I trust myself enough to pick the right partner this time mm-hmm. around, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was in a relationship that was very volatile for like 10 years with my daughter's father. We've, mm-hmm. been, we've been apart for three years now. Um, but when I first got out of it, I almost was like, let me jump back into the next one. And Mm -hmm. then when I met someone, I was like, he was a total like F boy. Like I was like, whoa, like we're getting back into that pattern again. And then it's like, well, am I making the right decision? Like, where am I, where do I need to do some more work so that I trust myself to pick a partner? Because now it's no longer just me picking a partner, right? Now Mm -hmm. I'm picking a partner that's going to be a male role model for my daughter. Mm-hmm. How is he going to play that role? Um, so looking at kind of both of those, right? Yeah, and I think once we, I see that all the time. It's like you, if you are in a long-term relationship, 
and you haven't been great at boundaries even before you got into that relationship, it's kind of like the lines between like who you are and who you are in context of that relationship and how that person makes you feel. They all get kind of blurry. So then once you're not in that relationship anymore, it feels really scary. You kind of feel like you're just out in the middle of this field. You know, you're just like out there with nothing. Um, and it feels really vulnerable. And so I think a lot of women, again, different client, but I had this conversation recently where she was like, I feel like I'm starving, but emotionally. And so I'm just like running around to men that ultimately when I check in with my gut, I know like I'm not going to end up with any of these guys, but it's like, they're giving me food, but the food is like emotional, just sort of fulfillment. Um, and I was like, girl, how about you learn to get your own food? Right? <laughs> Eat yourself. <laughs> Eat yourself. And that way then if you want to go find a partner, because like that's a totally valid thing to want. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You don't want your partner to have the responsibility of feeding you, right? Emotionally. And when that happens, or even feeding us sometimes like financially, or like we get fed in so many ways. Um, if our partner has that power at any point in our lives, or if other people have had that power over us at any point in our lives, I think it makes sense why then like we don't trust ourselves mm-hmm. because we've always been thinking about our lives in context of other people. Yeah. So I love your, you know, your analogy of like food, right? Like attention, mm-hmm. right? Because I find myself in the same boat. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm in the sky. And it's like nice because he's like giving me attention. And then when I don't want it, then I just like brush him off or, you know, then he's giving me more attention. And I'm like, well, why do I want his attention if I know it's going nowhere? Like, mm-hmm. and I ask myself, right? And maybe you have some like, you can help answer this because I'm sure other women have it too is, why am I not okay? I mean, I've done work, so I think I'm better at it now, but there's moments where I'm like, why am I not okay just being alone without being fed by someone else? Or what is, like, how can I feed myself? Like that kind of a question, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think maybe it's, I mean, maybe there's something, I think this is where the burnout piece comes in right? If we're burnt out and we're not really listening to our bodies on a day-to-day basis, I think about it, if you're like physically exhausted, like I can relate to this right now. Um, I went for my cup of coffee this morning, right? And I actually stopped drinking coffee for a while, but I'm back on it. Um, And that's like a simple way where like I'm a little bit energetically depleted. So I'm like reaching for something, right? And I think that urge to reach out for anything is there when we're not really checking in with ourselves and having good boundaries, even just with ourselves in terms of how we're spending our time and making sure we're taking care of ourselves. Um, I think that's that's a a part of it, you know? You know, and it's funny. So now that you say that, I I love sleep. Um, Yeah anybody knows me, sometimes I feel like a sloth is my spirit animal because I'm like, mm, like, I'll just take my time. I, if I could nap through every single day, I would. Um, but one thing when I check in with myself and I'm like, do I want to text this person? And I'm like, uh, not really. What would I rather be doing? And I'm like, Ooh, a nap. 
I just want to take a nap and not send that text or not respond because energetically, like that's not really where I want to put it. Right. So I think that's, I think that is great. Right. Always checking in with yourself to see what you can do to provide in terms you know, for yourself, like in love or energetically or mm-hmm. whatever would feel good. Right. Basically like what would make you feel good in that moment? Yeah. And then how can I give that to myself? instead of texting some guy just for that little lift mm-hmm. of the attention because really i just feel depleted in some way whether it's depleted in love depleted in energy you know what can i do can i take a nap if i'm like depleted in love like what can i do to show myself it sounds so cheesy right this whole self-love love thing but like what can i do to love myself and sometimes like I just want to wrap myself up in my electric blanket and I want to let myself binge watch whatever I'm watching and not feel guilty. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, another question that I have um, is in what way, right? Because we're talking about legacy, queens, building empires. Well, actually, I have two questions. Um, yeah. The first, actually, while we're here on this topic of kind of self love, um, what would you? say for like teens or girls who are kind of out there and they're in the process of finding out who they are. And I think at that age, teaching them boundaries is so, so important, right? For for preteens, like even now with my daughter, she's like, well, one of her best friends in school, she's like, well, so-and-so did it. And so I did it. And well, I want her to like me and I want her to be my friend. My daughter again is only going to be five next, next year. And I'm just like, we need to teach the self-worth, the self-love, the boundary setting, right? And I try to teach her even things like keep your hands to yourself, consent, right? Like things like that. What advice would you have for young girls who are listening um, or their moms to share with them um, when it comes to setting boundaries and that idea of like, oh, feeling bad or guilty or my friends are not going to like me if I do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one thing to know about self-worth is just like you have it it's just in you already it's not something that's based on what you do and it's not based on anyone around you and what they think like we all have work and i have a friend who's also a therapist and they were using this analogy with me and they said you know if you had this like beautiful piece of jewelry this like diamond that was worth a million dollars right and someone gave it to you and said, take care of this for a while for me, or you can have this. You're walking around with it and you have that like big expensive piece of jewelry. Are you just gonna take it off and say like, oh, hey, girl from school. Sure, you can have my $1 million diamond ring so that you can just like wear it today. You wouldn't, right? So you're like, no, this is really expensive. It's really important to me. Um, we have to treat like ourselves and our values people the same way we would treat something that we really love or that is really expensive because it is that important, if not more important, because it's always with us. And if it's damaged, like we're stuck with that damage and now we have to figure out how to fix it. Right. You know, and it's one thing that I say like in my book as well, <clears throat> and in a conversation with one of the other um podcast the other interviews that I did was the relationship with ourself is going to be the longest right and so I Mm -hmm. think about that and I tell my daughter you know 
um, now and kind of ingrained. So I also have a stepdaughter. I call her a stepdaughter, but she's basically she, her and my daughter have the same father. And I've been around in her life since she was three. So that's my kid. Um, she basically taught me how to do a, be a mom, right? Like early on, for, she was three when she came into my life and she's 17 now, just turned 17. So um, I used to think about, and her mom and I would have conversations and she, it felt like, she's like, well, I'm going to let so-and-so borrow my favorite t-shirt because she really wants to borrow it. And then we're like, well, you're going to be sad if something, if it, something happens to it. And she's like, well, then she'll be upset if she doesn't let me, like if I don't let her borrow it. And I'm like, well, then she can go and buy her own, but it's little things, right? Obviously as teenagers, they don't have like expensive jewelry, but it's just learning that like, if you have something that is so prized and, um, you want to take really good care of it, just because someone's feelings might be superficially hurt for a temporary moment, doesn't mean that you go against, you know, or you risk, you know, that being, that being damaged. So I think that's mm -hmm. absolutely right. But I think about, you know, the people pleasing, um, and wanting mm -hmm. to be liked and wanting to be in the popular crowd, right. Um, <clears throat> being able to sit with the popular kids at school. So I think that's great is like, realize that you and like all of you, right. Your heart, right. Is so, so, so precious that you don't mm -hmm. just give it to everyone or, you know, make it so available to everyone. So I really like that. Um, in terms of obviously self-love and self-worth and even kind of avoiding the low hanging fruit, right? How mm -hmm. does your work contribute to like your clients and how they create a legacy? Um, yeah, I think, um, one of the, the reasons that I was led to this work is I just saw so many women out there who really were self-sacrificing and honestly like it, I think I've already said this really really ticks me off I think we're better than that um so the reason I do the work that I do is because a I want any woman that I work with to realize her work to stop doing that and to, if she wants a partner, because I feel like there's a, a valid, like we're human, and I feel like many of us do want partners, and that's a natural thing to want, that she can have that without sacrificing herself. And in terms of legacy, I think that that, every woman who does that, you know, they become a role model of what a good relationship can look like. Right. Every time we do settle for that low hanging fruit, it's like we're first of all sending the guys out there the message that like they can keep being this way. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's okay because we'll settle eventually. We'll get tired enough that eventually we'll just settle. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't think that helps guys or society in general become better. I think it keeps guys stuck. <laughs> I think society stuck. And then it also makes other women think that like, this is what we should be doing because we're always watching each other. Mm -hmm. You know, we learn from what we see. And so when other women are out there in the world settling, we might not realize it, but we're like sending the message to other women that they should settle too. Yeah, yeah. It's what I did. You might've heard this from some of your girlfriends even. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, especially when, you know, like, when you're the girlfriend and you're looking in and you see your friend in a really shitty relationship, you're like, I remember actually how many years it was before I even got pregnant. 
So at least like six years ago, maybe seven, mm. I was having a conversation with my girlfriend. We were hiking. I remember. And we were like, and this is the craziest part because we were like, are we settling with our partners? She's now married and has a son is in ha and is happy. I obviously went the other direction, had my daughter and went, ran for the hills. Um, but we were talking and we were like, well, we don't really have it bad. Mm -hmm. At least they're not beating us. Like, like this is the conversation that we were having. And mm -hmm. now like being where I'm at and, you know, more aware and just out of the relationship, looking back on that conversation. And I was like, how broken were we to mm -hmm. we're going to settle for these relationships because they're not beating us and they're not cheating on us. Like, and then, you know, you just have to think about like, who was that person? Right. And so, and then when we see friends who are in situations, right, like um, my relationship with my ex became very volatile towards the end. Um, and my girlfriends were like, you need to leave him. Like, this is not a healthy relationship. But then I think back to the conversation with my other friend and I'm like, oh, it's not that bad. Like, and it's this idea of like, how are we settling? And there are girlfriends and friends out there that want to pull you out of that low hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. Like you're not settling for this trash. Um, mm -hmm. They're better, but it always takes for you to recognize your worth to remove mm -hmm. that situation, right? Like, um, and then just back to the conversation about legacy and how um, you can find a partner who supports your life purpose, right? And so then you build this empire and this legacy with him by your side or, you know, supporting mm -hmm. you in the work that you do. So I really like, I think, but what it does come down to is self-worth and being able to recognize that. Um, so one more question. Yeah. Um, and then um, I know that we talked about <coughs> boundaries and being mindful mm -hmm. in terms of self-worth right? Because I feel like you have to recognize the self-worth before you can even actually set a boundary, right? Would you say that's correct? So um, yeah, I think not having self-worth makes boundary setting really hard. So what would be like the first step in um, like recognizing that you are enough worthy. or loved and worthy? Yeah, without, you know, like just from the beginning, like say I'm in a relationship that's crappy and I'm trying to like figure out how to get out. Mm -hmm. do do? like how do I recognize what everybody else sees right because that tends to be the way it is right everybody's like you're amazing you're beautiful you're a great catch why are you settling for this whether it's mm -hmm. a relationship a career whatever it is mm -hmm. because it's a timing thing <laughs> like how would you you know how would a woman a, a queen that's listening to this like know how to take the first step yeah I think it starts with um I usually recommend women do an inventory. And this is actually, for a lot of them, it's really hard. But start by like really forcing yourself and challenging yourself. So I, I encourage people to write it down. Write down what are things that I'm good at or what are qualities that I know I bring to the table. And really, really force yourself to try and come up with, I tell people to aim for 10 things. That's actually really hard for people. Mm -hmm. um really really try to come up with you know a good 10 things um but it's important that along the way those things have to be coming from your gut mm -hmm. so for example i had a client years ago 
um, and straight up, she would not be able to tell me or anyone else, I'm a good person. Her worth was not there where she could say, I know I'm a good person. Um, but she could say, I can bake a cake, you know? Like that was really her starting point. She had to focus on what are things I just genuinely know I'm good at and start there. I think you have to find what you can say that's good about yourself that you can already believe. It might feel like a tiny bit of a stretch to be like reminding yourself of it constantly, but find something about yourself through this inventory process that you can believe and then just start like saying it to yourself over and over and over and over again. So legit, this woman, she wrote sticky notes and she would stick them all over the place that said like, I'm a good baker. I can make a mean cake, you know? And it sounds silly, but her self-worth was just so low that mm. that's where she had to start. And once she started like just getting in the habit of connecting with the things that she is good at, eventually she wasn't able to say like, I know I am a good person and she didn't, she, I haven't seen her in forever because you know, she doesn't have to come see me anymore. Mm-hmm. But it started with, I can only say I'm good at baking a cake. Wow. Yeah. But that's still something, you know? Mm-hmm. You have to I think start somewhere, somewhere, right? With what yeah, it and is and not judge, judge yourself around what it is that you come up with. Yeah, because I think we see all this a- affirmational, aspirational stuff, inspirational quotes mm-hmm. that like say like, the world is my oyster and I deserve everything it has to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and if your self-worth is really low, what ends up happening is like, you just can't buy into that. So you can't absorb it. Mm-hmm. That's been my experience. So that's why it's better to do an inventory, figure out where you can start, but set the intention that the goal is to like move your self-worth up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. And um, one thing that I struggled with was like affirmations and it's like saying these things and I would like say, and I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> So, you know, now I'm at a point where I can say them or I just choose the ones that I actually believe until I get mm-hmm. to a point where I can say the other ones and they feel believable. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's kind of intense, right? Not being able to say I'm a good person and believing that and feeling that. And yeah. So if um, any of the queens here want to reach out to you, do you practice mm-hmm. um, in terms of like the coaching? I think the psychotherapy is in person, right? Um, you have yes. A order, and then, but in terms of the coaching, how can they find you? Like where, your websites, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So my coaching website is um, from burnout to balance life. And then for anyone who specifically feels help, like they, they need help in that relationship piece, I have a um, private resource group on Facebook. Okay. Um, they can find that the web address to go straight to the group is just bitly.com slash powerful women, powerful partners. You can also just search for that group on Facebook okay. and just ask to join. And that's where I'm in there every day. I'm chatting with women and sharing resources and advice and hearing from them just about how to build that powerful partnership piece. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you so, so much for your tips and just kind of information on how we need to start setting better boundaries because I'm sure there's always room for improvement, even if you're already doing it. Um, So thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been so fun and so great to chat about all these things. I love 
talking about all this stuff. I love, you know, I'm sure we could probably talk forever. <laughs> There's like so much and it's just like, you know, we just keep going off. So thank you guys for listening. This is episode six of Raising Queens and um, stay tuned for next week. Um, real conversations with real queens and talk to you guys later. Bye.